safer sex. Intercourse. Condoms. Sexually transmitted infection. HIV. HIV. Sexual health. Treatment. Prevention. Sexual attraction. Sexually transmitted Hi, I'm Heather from Sydney Sexual Health Centre. Welcome to the first episode of our new podcast series. We're launching this new series to explore key issues related to sexual health. Our first episode is timed to tie in with the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia on May 17th. The day is celebrated in more than 130 countries. It's a show of support of the recognition of human rights for everyone, especially lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender, or LGBT people. This year, the theme of the day is families, so we're talking about a fantastic upcoming research project about families and bloodborne viruses. It's being conducted by the Centre for Social Research and Health, and Sydney Sexual Health Centre is participating. The research project is called My Health, Our Family. It examines serodiscordance in family life for people affected by bloodborne viruses. That means looking at families where people in various kinds of family relationship have different HIV or hepatitis B or hepatitis C statuses. So that includes couples, but also parents and children and siblings. And the interesting thing about this research is that it's not focusing solely on risk of transmission of those viruses, like a lot of research done in this space does. To find out more about the project, we spoke to researcher Christy Newman. So the interest um, uh, in this project came out of work we'd done in the past on people with HIV who were in intimate relationships and looking at how they navigated the differences in HIV status as part of their everyday life, so as part of their sexual lives, part of the way they ran their households, the way they talked to other people about HIV or not. Um, And through that project and other projects that we've done uh, in our centre, including um, with couples who inject drugs, looking at the role that uh, bloodborne viruses can play in how they they manage and um, negotiate relationships, we had an idea for a, a bigger, broader project on what serodiscordance means in different family contexts. So um, the project is looking at um, serodiscordance as a way to describe differences in infection status uh, for people, um, for families who are affected by HIV, as well as families who are affected by hepatitis B and hepatitis C. So not separately, those families. Um, And so that's really where it came from, was an interest in looking beyond just the couple at broader family relationships and how they uh, make sense of um, infectious disease in this particular context, particularly infections that come with a social stigma. We also spoke to our own counselling unit manager, Brendan Crozier. So we're one of the recruiting sites here at Sydney Sexual Health Centre. I met with uh, Christy a few months ago now and this was one of the projects that she was hoping to get going and I said that uh, it would be good to be involved so that we can ask some of our clients whether they want to be involved in uh, this important research that's being done. The relationship between bloodborne viruses and the family unit might not be immediately clear to a lot of people. And looking at the most affected communities for those three infections, HIV, Hep B and Hep C, I'd expect that the family models you're looking at will be quite different for each participant. 
Can you explain why that connection with the family is such an important thing to talk about? So one of the main kind of priorities for the project is to achieve uh, what we would uh, hope to be a really rich diversity in uh, both what family means uh, and how families kind of get done or are made in the context of those different infections. So yes, the, the epidemiology certainly um, tells us that um, those infections play out differently in different contexts, uh, but even within each of those, there's incredible diversity. So mm -hmm. they are all infections that people are largely uh, not keen to talk about openly, um, and that can have implications for um, trust um, and connection and support within families, decisions that get made about who gets to be told and who doesn't, what you do with those, how families contribute to managing secrets and, and providing support. Um, and that will play out differently. Again, we're expecting in those different areas, but, but perhaps not. We just don't really know because there hasn't been research that's looked in this particular way at these issues. I think it's important because for most of the bloodborne viruses, well, particularly for HIV and Hep B to some extent, there is a chronic aspect to living with these viruses. What that means is that the person uh, has to usually do a lot of things to manage themselves. That includes things like attending doctor's appointments, uh, which can mean time off work to go and do that. It can mean um, coming to counselling sessions if that's required. It can mean uh, other kinds of health issues that can arise. It can mean picking up scripts, getting those scripts filled, taking medications every day, realising when the script's about to run out so they need to go and get more medications. In reality, it's quite a complex business, you know, to take care of oneself with all of those things. And so I find that often families are really important in terms of supporting the person to do those things. So it might be uh, sometimes about looking after children so the uh, person can go to doctor's appointments. Uh, all the way through to kind of um, other stuff like uh, the families being concerned about being infected or concerned about other family members being infected. So I think that the family can really be an enabler uh, and can really support people and, and it can go the other way. So the family can be a place where shame is amplified and where living with these chronic conditions can be very problematic. This study is the first of its kind to look at these issues in this way, isn't it? There's not a lot of research in this area. Certainly our approach to it, yes. Mm. There is a history of research that looks at how families relate to these infections in different parts of the world. A lot of it's quite old. Certainly the HIV research, families were a big part of, um, of, the, of, of the focus in the early years. But that's because people were, uh, people were dying, people were requiring care. Um, there were choices having to be made about how families would respond to really devastating consequences of, of, of diagnosis. Um, and that's a totally transformed exper uh, experience from today. Um, the, the treatment landscape is unrecognisable really from those early years. But what we don't know is whether there are still some of those complex decisions that get made in terms of care relationships and forms of responsibility and support that play out today. And, you know, what's really great about this research is that it's looking at a broader uh, definition of what family means. 
A good example of this was recently I had a client who's in a domestically violent situation, same-sex relationship, and he's uh, from overseas and has no uh, supports here other than his housemate. And I actually told him about this study and I said, you know, we're, we're kind of expanding this view of family to be people who are your chosen family. And for a lot of people who might be gay and lesbian, um, trans or intersex, or bisexual, they might have an experience of being rejected by their traditional family, if you like, and might need to then create a family from their friends or from their housemates. When I asked him this, he said that he actually refers to his housemate as mama. Um, so he was like, absolutely, this my housemate, I view them as my family. And my housemate has been incredibly supportive through this whole process of getting out of the domestically violent relationship, which in itself was severely impacting on his ability to manage his HIV. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important that, that family is expanded in that way and it does come up in our practice and that there is a kind of practical support that can be provided as well as an emotional support. That's a major focus of this project. It examines the different ways that family as a concept is undergoing transformation within our society. Can you explain a little bit more about that? So one of the ways I've seen this reflected in the community that I work with or we work with here um, is, yeah, particularly in people who are coming from culturally or linguistically diverse backgrounds who might have, uh, might not have family in Australia and might not have family at hand to be able to help them manage um, the virus that they're living with. But also for a lot of LGBTI people is their partners or their children um, uh, might not fit the, fit the typical mould. So they might be co-parenting where there's more than two parents involved. There might be relationships that are polyamorous, so there are more than two people involved. Um, and so you have these kind of family networks which are, are less like the traditional ones we're used to examining and I think that has been looked at in other research and are more about the idea of the family as close support network. What we would love to see is a range of different family forms. So that will certainly include families with a, a kind of biological nuclear family structure at the heart of it. Um, but we absolutely hope we're not limited to that. Uh, so we're expecting and hoping to find all kinds of um, kind of parent-child relationships, including step, donor, um, blended, um, separated, all kinds of ways of doing of those relationships, um, intergenerational family um, structures of d different kinds, and also extended family um, structures. So, uh, and in addition to that, the kind of non-biological families. So families of choice is one way of explaining that, but not always. Uh, relational networks that people self-define as representing family to them. And also it's much more um, led by the participants. You know, we are not making any assumptions about what families have to mean. Um, but we do want the concept of families to resonate for people. So really is representing the diversity of ways that people live um, and do relationships um, today. And what we want is that we can think about how these bloodborne viruses um, play out in that diversity of contexts. I don't think you can do any kind of research around health 
now without thinking about cultural difference and diversity um, as playing an important part. Uh, gender, sexual diversity and cultural diversity are the three things that I'm always trying to think um, think about how we can incorporate more of in, in, in any project that we do. Certainly in this case, uh, that will be our ideal. If we can have some perspectives from people who are coming from quite different family forms, quite different um, cultural perspectives, different age, um, sexual orientation and, um, and, and geographic perspectives, then we'll feel like, okay, we're starting to get to a point where we can say, there is some, um, there is both difference and consistency across the ways that people are talking about family. Well, those three factors that you mentioned, gender, sexuality and cultural background, those things don't just affect the epidemiology of what health issues people are living with. They affect everything from how people view their health to how people interact with the health system. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, and both of those things are critical to the contemporary um, agenda in responding to um, blood-borne viruses. So if our interest in uh, the government and community response to, uh, to blood-borne viruses today is about long-term engagement of people with care, with um, thinking through their health in um, sustainable and useful ways, we have to have an appreciation of diversity and really recognise that we need to understand how people think about things themselves uh, and not make any presumptions that we can know how key concepts are being translated in everyday life. So this is one project that, that's seeking to feed into um, broadening and diversifying our understanding of how people are making sense of um, quite complex and changing concepts like infectiousness, um, lifelong treatment, uh, reinfection in the case of hepatitis C, a whole range of, of quite complex ideas. It sounds like you're really trying to challenge the narratives around these infections and the relationships that surround and support the people affected by them. Absolutely. We, are, we don't know what we're going to find. This is genuinely exploratory. Um, but we, we've got a hunch, and this is from talking to the organisations who are our partners on the project as well, that um, there are a whole range of other people who are connected to um, and interested in and can contribute to supporting the response to these infections that aren't recognised at the moment. So, um, and what we've been told is that often, you know, mothers, sisters, children, others, and, and other intimate connected others who are not biologically related, um, can feel like they would like support themselves or they would like to be able to help and they're not quite sure how they can do that because there's not really a place for them. Um, there was a project I worked on that looked at the experiences of people with HIV who um, were choosing not to use treatment at this point. Um, and for one person, I was really struck that his experience was that his sister was really on his case about that. So there was a lot in his narrative about how he managed that relationship. She was desperate for him to start treatments and he was really reluctant. And so it was really, uh, that's fascinating to me is how does that particular relationship play out. And for me, that story is missing from how we talk about treatment decision-making, how we talk about um, 
the treatment adherence, connection to services. Um, they're, they're really like where where are those additional relationships in 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 our thinking about how we engage people over time um, in thinking about their health and well-being. I think that we work in a very medicalised model where we look at an individual and we look at the disease process in that individual. And what we forget to see from that broader biopsychosocial model, which is, uh, I guess, favoured by the WHO these days in terms of how we conceptualise health, is we, we fail to see that that disease sits within a context. It sits within a, a social and psychological context. And I think that this research hopefully will be, provide a tool to advocate at higher levels around that uh, within New South Wales, but um, possibly even more broadly than that. Uh, and also to, I guess, redress that, that idea of the traditional family and to broaden it out uh, to those other support systems which might, which might be chosen family. So, thinking big, what do you see as the best possible outcome for this research? What would you ideally like to see come out of it? The ambitious goal is to, is to have a, a corpus of stories that we know captures diversity uh, in the ways that bloodborne viruses are lived in family life uh, in New South Wales. And from that, um, having a, a real kind of store of, um, of, of stories and information that we can draw on to build some incredibly compelling cases for things being thought about and done differently in um, the response uh, to bloodborne viruses, including treatment, but also prevention modalities. So really trying to, uh, to draw on that to add to the conversations that are happening in really rigorous, robust ways at a national and a global level around how do we effectively respond to these infections at this point. I think that uh, what feels great about being able to do this study is offering an opportunity for people to talk about um, their experiences of navigating uh, bloodborne viruses in the context of family life when it hasn't been done before. When, when uh, particularly saying, we want to hear your story if you're a family member of a person living with HIV or Hep C or Hep B. There's been almost none of that done in Australia uh, and internationally as well, it's relatively limited in, in specific areas. Um, the wonderful thing about being a qualitative researcher is feeling like a bit of a, a conduit. So, you know, you offer the, the, the mechanism for people to share their stories confidentially um, so that they're captured and available to people who can then use that in a policy and practice sense to, to make change. So whether that means about designing more support services that can then um, recognise those roles more, maybe it's about um, capturing, communicating their stories just so that people's lives are better recognised, um, and maybe it's about influencing strategies and thinking about how do we better engage um, the, the, the useful contributions that people make beyond um, directly affected individuals. To find out more about the study, including how to refer yourself or your patients, you can look at the website for the My Health Our Family project. That's found at myhealthourfamily.csrh.org, or you can access it via the Centre for Social Research and Health's website. Christie's team will be actively recruiting for interview participants throughout 2017. They're looking for people living with HIV, 
people living with hepatitis C and people living with hepatitis B, as well as family members of people who are living with one of those infections. So check out their site if you'd like to refer your patients or yourself. They're also interested in hearing from people who can talk to them about existing support services that are doing good work at recognising the role family can play in supporting people with bloodborne viruses. So if you have experience with a service that's doing well in this area, or if you work at one, visit the website and get in touch. We're looking forward to seeing what comes out of this study. You've been listening to the very first episode of Sydney Sexual Health Centre's new podcast. We're hoping to bring you more of these, so share the link and subscribe.